It's time once again for another episode of All That's Jazz, the podcast that explores everything in the world of jazz. And here now is your host, Alan Scott. Hello and welcome to another episode of All That's Jazz. Today our focus is the January 21st release by a trio of incredible New York-based musicians. This delightful album is called Riverside, and it's on the Outside In Music label. My guests are all three members of this talented trio. Guitarist Oz Noy, one of the fusion's most sought-after individual voices. Bassist Ugana Okegwo, who is a celebrated sideman with people like Jackie Terrison and Tom Harrell and others. And drummer Ray Marchica, who is a Broadway and session player, as well as having two albums to his credit as a leader. All three of them are joining us here today on All That's Jazz. Gentlemen, thank you for being our guests. Great to be here. It's my understanding that the three of you have worked in the New York scene for the past two decades. And we'll start with Oz. This is actually your first yep. release together? Yes, this is the, um, the first release and tell us a little bit about how that all came about. Uh, I believe it had a connection with the pandemic, like many other things lately. Yeah, well, in 2020, once uh, spring or summer came around, like around May, when everybody was able to get out of the house from the lockdown, I wanted to go out and play. So I live on the Upper West Side in New York. There's two parks next to me, the R Riverside Park and Central Park. And... Um, I thought of calling some guys to play, and Ogana and Ray live in the same neighborhood. We live pretty close to each other, so I just called them and asked them if they would like to come and play in the park, and everybody was into it. So basically from May, from the end of May till the end of October, where it started to get cold, we, we would go to the park, to Riverside Park, two to three times a week, and just play standards. We found a corner, we just played, and... It kind of became a band because, you know, we developed a repertoire and we played a couple of times a week. So at the end of this, uh, when it, again, at the end of October, it got cold. Ray said, like, why won't, why, let's go in the studio and record an album. And that's what we did. That's pretty much <laughs> the story. Ogana, how, how is it that the three of you came together? It seemed like all three of you were on three different paths. Uh, what brought you all together? Did you, first of all, know each other and work together at any other point? I've known both Oz and Ray for quite some time. Oz longer than Ray. I think Oz, I know since he's moved to New York because we both live in the same neighborhood and we used to run into each other yeah. in different jazz clubs and stuff, but we have never played together before. And uh, also with Ray, I've uh, I've seen him around here and there, but the first time we met was on a movie set, like where yeah. we were playing for this, uh, we were 
acting musicians and uh, playing for uh, 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 this John Turturro movie. And um, in any case, that's where we met. But at that point, uh, Ray and I we acted playing, so we actually didn't really play right. until there was a break in the in the in the in the shooting of the movie or something where we actually played a couple of tunes. But other than that, it was just like you know, for the first half day or so, we were just like acting as if we were playing. So it was like a sort of an odd thing that when you've never played with someone and then you act playing, it's always it's, it's a strange thing anyway. But that's how we met, you know, like we are like in the same neighborhood and, uh, and, uh, but we had never really worked together. Definitely not playing a gig or, or doing a recording or anything. You know, that's why Ray, I was going to ask, uh, uh, that in the press release, uh, about this album, it talked about the fact that Oz had called upon his neighbors. And I didn't know if you all lived in the same apartment complex or, or were you truly within the neighborhood itself uh, like blocks away blocks away i i'm on 108th street oz is uh ugona is on 106 and oz is on 101 so uh blocks away and uh the park is one block away from each of us the park runs north south from way uptown by the George Washington Bridge all the way down to like the 70s or something like that. So, yeah. The, the park became kind of the focal point uh, of the, the release itself in terms of its name and maybe inspiration for the release. But this particular park was sort of an outlet for everybody, whether it's jazz or blues, uh, rock, it, many different genres of music were all jumping into the park as an exercise to get outside somewhere and play. That's right, and we had to we had to wrestle, we had to we had to fight for our stage too. We had to make sure that we like you know nobody's taking our good space away. We were the pioneers when we started. There was nobody in the park. Like literally, <laughs> like three people would walk by, and then as things got better, you know, you start to see people walking around and stuff, and you, you see the same people every exactly. time. It's just kind of funny. But then people start to get the hang of it, especially in the summer, and there was all these other bands that would come. So we had what we called stage one and stage two. <laughs> So were there multiple stages in the park? I'm not familiar with Riverside. No. There's no stage. There are no real stages. It's just like places wow. where you can set up and that there are sometimes nice acoustically. We had like a nice enclosure of some sort of a terrace balcony looking thing overlooking park then uh, Hudson River and, and Jersey. And uh, yeah. but there were it so it and yeah, anyway, that was it was a very sought after spot after a while. <laughs> So, so the, the, the three, you know, who knows? Out? I mean, like in the past, because we had never played in the park or I hadn't, uh, that maybe that's been going on for a long time anyway, without me knowing that people go there to play in the summer. Mm -hmm. so. I, I didn't know about it. Yeah. So did you, yeah. did you guys have to, uh, get an assistant on board and then send him or her out to the park like three in the morning and set up a tent and say, these guys are playing yeah. here at uh, 12 noon. So hit the road. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're not on today. That would be the next level, but we didn't get to that level. <laughs> yeah. We are, we're not as professional yet, but you know, we just went as there. As, that is concerned. staking a claim on the, on the stage. 
So yeah. it, it was a peaceful coexistence, shall we say? Yeah. Yes. 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 Good. Good. So, but uh, needless to say, not only was it a peaceful coexistence, but it seemed to be a very ideal place to be because you named your album Riverside, and it must have something to do with the surroundings and the just the ambiance of playing music in a park like Riverside. It was very peaceful. It was, it was nice. And, and each of us, us had a small battery amp. I, I only brought a snare drum, bass drum, and two cymbals and a hi-hat. And Ugona didn't have an amp or anything, and he just wheeled his bass in. And yeah, it was, it was wonderful. And we, quite often it was sunsets, and it was nice. And we got to see those, the leaves sprout, and then the leaves, by, by September, they were turning colors. So it was yeah, great. You know, I, I want to say something interesting is through the whole time that we were doing this, because, you know, it was at the time when people, you know, like the, the, they're not supposed to be gathering around of people. I didn't tell anybody that I was playing. I had like a, I had a list on my phone, like a little text list on my phone of like about five or 10 people. And those were all friends and people in the neighborhood. And that's the only people I, I told that we're doing this because I we didn't want to create any kind of, you know, like gathering, unnecessary gathering. We just wanted to basically just kind of stay somewhere and just play and practice, which is kind of interesting, you know. Well, and it, it makes sense that uh, you would have to do it that way and, and not draw too much of an attention uh, yeah. factor. Uh, and then have like hundreds and hundreds of people gathering around. So as you were doing these, you did this through the summer, and then it's my understanding that later in the fall, rather than just disband and go away somewhere and go your separate ways, you decided to take this into the studio. And when you were doing the performances in the park, were you formulating the actual release itself and maybe doing arrangements and charts and things that uh, would uh, evolve into Riverside, the album? No, not really. We just started to play, and Oz came up with most of the arrangements. Ugona and I would say, hey, why don't we try something different, or I'd call a different tune. But no, we, didn't, we weren't thinking of, okay, let's rehearse, so we're going to do an album. It wasn't like that, no. Actually, artistically, the way it worked, is I would just come, because it's a guitar trio and I'm like the band leader musically, I would just come to the park and call tunes that I knew or I wanted to play. And Ugana knows everything. Ray just had to kind of That's join in. <laughs> you do know a lot of tunes. Well, but you know. We started to play and when Ray kind of wanted, said, let's go in the studio, I already had an idea of what are the tunes that sounded really strong when we were playing because there was some tunes that really clicked pretty strong, but there wasn't any arrangements or any plans or anything like that. We had a vibe in the park that worked really well. So the idea was just let's take the tunes that sounded really good in the park and just try to create the same vibe in the studio, which is impossible what we try to get as close as we can, you know? So, Ugana, did each of you have input as to the playlist, or was it all up to Oz? No, well, well, put it this way. 
when we when you start playing, I mean, Oz called us to to play, and then we, we you know you meet in the park, and then what do you want to play, and basically it's like who's playing the like Oz is playing the melody instrument, so like and he has like a, a certain idea as to what he wants to play since it was his idea to come out and play. So that became sort of the, I guess, the focus around, let's play, I don't know, bounce, or let's play, there will never be another, you are stuff like that, or you just start, start playing something. But it was more, to me, it was more like something like um, musicians get together and play sessions at somebody's house, like not meant for necessarily public viewing, but uh, it was just like to get together to share musical ideas, and, and concepts in ways by just playing together and, and let it develop uh, organically and naturally. And uh, in the end, it comes like when we play a certain tune, Oz might have an idea or one of us might play something that worked nicely as far as a groove goes or like some sort of uh, head arrangement or some sort of idea as to how to approach the tune conceptionally or something like that. But it doesn't. there wasn't so much talking about it. It was just like playing and reacting as we usually do, you know. So you chose a collection of standards for the particular release of Riverside. And Oz, tell me, uh, you know, there, there's certainly influence from Charlie Parker in here, Jacob Astorius, Steve Allen, etc. Tell me about the musical choices. Um, again, you know, I wasn't thinking about it in that sense. I just... There's certain tunes that I like to play that I think I have a certain kind of vision on and I think uh, they're unique enough for me to kind of, let's say, do my thing on it. So I would just bring those tunes and I, we, as Lugana said, we didn't even talk about it. Either I would start playing and they would join or... I would say, hey, let's do this song, you know it. And then we, and then Ugano says, oh, let me go over and then we play it. And what happened was totally organic. So when 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 we this when we recorded or the tunes that end up on the record, we recorded more songs than what's on the record. I didn't think about this is Charlie Parker, this is uh Sonny Rollins, this is this is that. It was just tunes that connected to me. And then when we played, they just gelled really well together. And a lot of those little arrangements that are on the record, except for maybe one thing or two things, are things that happen naturally, organically, you know? And my my uh, upbringing has a lot of Charlie Parker in it, and I'm sure Ogana and Ray too. So I think a lot of those things just glue naturally because we have the same background, you know? So it was yeah. easy to collaborate that way and then just get a feel for it and have this conversation musically going on between the three of you. Sure. Yes. 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 If you don't mind, let us uh, take a, a walk through the album so that we could present to the listeners what they could expect when they uh, do listen to this. It all starts out with all the things you are.
was simply the, the fact that this is where you started. Was there a particular reason to start out the recording that way? We didn't record it first. The first thing we recorded was a blues, but it was just, um, in, in the end, you have a certain arrangement or like a certain way you play the tune or the way it came out, let's say, and then you make a decision as to let's put a set together. I mean, let's put this recording together. So like what would be a good starter, what we, and so forth. So that's how that, it's not that when you do a, I mean, I'm sure you know that anyway, but I mean, like, you know, it's not that when you record, you you record live, so whatever whatever uh, sequence you use, then it's going to be the recording. It's just you recording the tunes. When we were playing in the park, we were kind of playing a set each time we went out. So it was sort of like we played maybe five, six, seven tunes, depending, and uh, that was it, you know, for the day. We didn't really play like for four or five hours. We just played like an hour or two, you know, something like that. Uh, we did mention the fact that Charlie Parker is present uh, in this release, one of which uh, is anthropology. Ray, do you want to tell us uh, your take on that? On anthropology? Mm -hmm. Well, in general, uh, can I, I just want to talk about my take on playing with these two guys in general. And it's kind of... Now the truth comes no, out. No, no, I just I felt... <laughs> no. It, now it's official. <laughs> I, I was, it was so great to play with them both. And, and uh, I approached it, I, I, I approached it, like you said, used the word conversational. Like we were, I approached it really like a conversation with the, the three of them. I wasn't approaching it like, like okay, I'm going to play this groove this way. I didn't know from moment to moment, you know, how Oz was going to phrase or whether Ugona was going to play in two or four or go with the melody or so. I know I'm not answering your question about anthropology, but for me as a drummer, I approached it like a, like we were a chamber group conversing with each other. And I really enjoyed playing with both of these guys. It was, it's great. I, I want to say something about the anthropology actually. This is like a classic example of what happens when you just start playing and things evolve. If you listen, there's actually an arrangement where the melody, I take the melody half a step up on every other bar. And that wasn't anything intentional. Just That's just happened from us playing in the park. Like we play it every time. sometimes you try different things and i tried it and it worked out really great and then ogana immediately got it and that's how we got this little arrangement of that tune oz did you do all the arrangements or did you share the wealth i think i shared the wealth but i think i, I think a lot of it came from me because i played the melodies and the harmony so i would lead to certain things and then they would jump on it and some things worked some things didn't and again it all happened 
very organically it wasn't just like i was planning things we were just going play and suddenly something would happen it happened on the older things you are. it happened actually on every tune on a record it happened on all things you are the blues that one blues song riverside blues happened just in the beginning of a session we did there i just played that verse that melody <laughs> So was Riverside Blues, just out of curiosity, a, uh, a piece that was inspired by King Oliver and that tune? No, the, I don't The Creole so. version? No. <laughs> I think we just jammed. We just started. I, I remember how it happened because it's the only original. I, I started, I just played this riff and I go like, oh, that's cool. Let's play blues. And they joined and that was it. And I told yeah. Ray to record it or something, and that was that. Yeah, we, yeah, and then we, I remember you asked, say, you asked me if I had, still had the recording, and I did, and I sent you the recording, and then uh, you listened to it, and we played it again and again. So that's how that came about. It, it, because it does sound very reminiscent of uh, King Oliver and the version that he had with his uh, Creole ensemble when, when you listen to Riverside Blues. I actually am not aware of it at all. I don't know. I never heard it. So, Ray, let me ask you, as the drummer in this ensemble, you got Hello? your showcase in a, a, a track that's called 6-8 Lunch Break. Tell us about that. Well, we uh, I think we had been recording maybe uh, like three hours or so, maybe four hours. And then plus we were setting up for two hours and it was it was lunchtime. So... We ordered some food and it was taking a, a really long time to arrive. And uh, I was in the studio and the engineer was on his phone and we, I was just looking at him and I said, why don't I just play a groove, which I did. And then I thought to myself, well, let me play a duet with myself. I mean, we had like a, before the lunch arrived, it was at least an hour we were waiting for it. And it, it just, it just came about like that. On another album I did, I did a, a similar thing, but I planned it. This time I really didn't plan it. I just, the, the time was there and I, that's what I did. So why is it called 6-8 six, 
launch because it's in six the grooves in don't think pop up six one two three pop up to six and it was on the lunch break oz let me ask you uh, about the tune called donna lee and i'm almost afraid to ask this question because of the the thing with king oliver the donna lee version that's on this album uh, is there some connection whatsoever to Jaco Pastorius? There's always a connection to Jaco Pastorius because he did such an um, like he did such an iconic version of it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of untouchable, you know. So I'm sure there's a connection, but I I didn't think about his version at all when we were playing. Again, I, like I listened to his version a hundred times probably, but again I I came up with a lot of Charlie Parker. So I liked those tunes and I played Donna Lee a lot. I think the idea was more playing that song and trying to do it in a way that fits the group situation that we were on, you know, like that group sound that we had. the idea of it you know for me at least yeah well there, certainly there is the uh jacob astorius uh, version of it but there's also one with charlie parker and miles davis as well yeah iconic absolutely all, all those recordings are kind of untouchable the only thing you can do is you can try to do your own version of it and this is what we try to do ray were there any other tunes where they kind of let you loose and just let it rip we let him loose all the time. <laughs> that one, Don, Donna Lee, I got to, we got to play. That was, that was kind of, uh, it was Oz and I played the A section and then the bass came in and then Oz and I played the, the A section and the bass came in and uh, Oz and I got to trade on that one. So that was, that was nice. So Oz, how long did it take you to put this together? Uh, how did it take days, weeks, hours? No, what it was, um, we went into the studio for two days. Actually, the way it really happened was we went into the studio for one day. We recorded. The whole idea was us recording the sets of tunes that w- sounded good in the park. So we came up with a set of tunes. It was pretty obvious what we're going to play because, again, from playing in a park, there were certain tunes that already gelled really well. So we went in for one day in the studio. We recorded and I listened to it, and I was like, well, there's a couple of takes in there, but we didn't get everything. So then we went into another day in the studio, and the second day, we got a lot. We got, we played the same tunes again, but we got better takes. The problem with going in a studio in a situation like that is you get a really strong vibe playing in a place, whether it's a club or a, or a park or wherever, and you also get used to the sound of where you're playing. And it makes a big difference. 
the, the, the fact that there's people there or not doesn't make as much difference to me, at least. But when you go into the studio, you, it's a different environment. It's different sound. It just feels different. So it takes a while to, to get that same vibe that you get in a park, you know, or, or wherever you used to play. So I'm, I, I heard an interview with Pat Metheny when he was talking about that band with Charlie Hayden and, and Billy Higgins. And he said that record that they made, that rejoicing record, sounds nothing like how they sounded live. Like it was, they tried, but they didn't really get that close. So it's tricky to go in the studio and try to get the same vibe. That, so that's what happened. We kind of went twice and then yeah. I, we had enough good takes and I basically chose the takes. And if there was like little fixes to do, I did that. It took a couple of weeks, really. So at least it uh, it, it came out uh, as uh, fantastic as it is. Uh, and I'm yeah. sure, like you said, Oz, and I'm sure Ray would attest to this as well, and certainly Ogana, that when you play something outdoors, you, you know, maybe there's a little more of a margin for error, whereas when you get in the studio, you hear everything. Yeah. There's nothing that gets missed kind of thing. So does that give you more pressure, Ray, to to deliver the goods, so to speak? Uh, oh, interesting question. At first, I felt I felt pressure, like oh, you got to get it right, yeah, exactly what you said. But then, as the as the day went on, you know, even Oz would he would stop and say, "Guys, we're in the park. Guys, we're in the park. Stop it. Don't overthink it. You know, stuff like that." So. Uh, in the beginning, yes, there was more pressure, but as the as both days went on, I I kind of just said, okay, just just close your eyes and play, you know. You know, Ogana, I wanted to ask you about one of the tracks here. It's a Steve Allen composition, uh, and that's uh, this could be the start of something big. And in reviewing what I was sent to look at the notes uh, on the release, it said that this was your first encounter with that standard. Uh, you yeah, I'd never played before? it before. No, I heard it before, but I had I had not learned it. I I wasn't had never played it before. Put it that way, you know. No, I've heard it before. I've heard it on recordings and, and stuff like that. But it's, it has not come. I hadn't come across. I'm like whatever. It hadn't been thrown at me so far. And yeah, so that's I learned that there. I learned it. I mean, Oz showed it to me, you know, basically, and I learned it in the park. <laughs> actually played uh also had a little bit of an arrangement on it like with a couple of hits that just developed while we were playing it you know like we were just we weren't even rehearsing it it was just like when we we're playing the tune he just played these uh sort of setups for certain parts of the tune and uh i i me and ray were catching them and then you know the next time we went in the park if we played it again we started catch some more so it, it refined it in a little, little way so like the arrangement also grew out of that 
playing it a few times in the, in the park, you know. That's what in the summer season. Uh, yeah, go ahead. That's what happened with all the tunes, you know. That's exactly what happened with everything. That's why when we went to the studio, I kind of knew what tunes are the right tunes to record because they they developed into something, you know, that yeah. was more unique than just playing. I don't know, a standard, you know. And so you really re you really reharmonize that one. Uh, uh, start something big. So when you put the whole thing together, Oz, and you got down to the last piece, or at least uh, in terms of the order uh, on which they appear on the album, you guys just blew out all the stops at the end and you did a, a Bobby Hebb tune, Sonny, and you guys just wailed. It, it was, uh, was it intended that way? You just really wanted to push the envelope on that? I got to give credit to Ray because Ray, you know, we recorded it because we wanted like more of a groove tune. But then when we recorded it, I didn't think it was, it, it turned out as good as the other stuff. And Ray kept pushing. He's like, no, we got to do it. We got to. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I worked on it a little bit and I figured out a take and the stuff. And then we actually added, that's the only tune that there's a little bit of overdub of uh, Fender Rhodes that my friend Clifford Carter played because. I felt that because it was a groove tune, it needed a little extra sound or harmony. kind of worked for me better in the beginning it was a little bit like oh, i don't know it's a little strange but uh, it had always like sorry i didn't want to interrupt sorry no no that's it no because i was saying like when we played it in the park it was always like a tune where we ended the set with or something yeah. <laughs> it was like one of those we played and then you know, let's play sunny and then like we grooving out and then you know and then we after that we would go home basically you know <laughs> So let me ask the three of you at this point, since you've come together, you've made this release. Uh, is this one a keeper as a trio? Uh, what do you think, Oz, Ray, Ogana? Is this, is this the start of something big? <laughs> I hope it's a start of something big. Yeah, me too. Um, I would say that on a personal level, I'm really excited that this record came out because all my other albums that I released were always, I, I don't call them fusion albums, I call them electric jazz albums because they're all improvisations, but they're more electrified and groove oriented. So I personally needed that to kind of present what I've been, I've been playing jazz, I've been doing this stuff my whole life, I just never recorded an album like that. So I'm very happy it's out there, you know, and presented this way. So I just hope there's, you know, we can do some more of that, you know, because there's a lot more to be said with that, with that, let's say with that genre, with that sound for me personally. Mm -hmm. 
So are you going to take this one on the road together? Um, maybe at some point, if there will be some offers, sure. Yeah, that's like we have like a couple of gigs coming up. Well, one gig is confirmed. <laughs> Whatever. No, but for like a re- <laughs> we're playing and I yeah, we, we're, we're taking our time. We're like we're really like choosing very carefully where we where we want to play. But we do have some places. I mean, like interest and also some place. One place is confirmed where we're actually going to play inside, we're not playing outside. At Birdland. Yeah. yeah, Birdland. So like yeah. we're going to be like yeah in May in Birdland, and we might have another gig before that. We'll see. But uh, yeah, we're trying, I mean, you know, yeah, it would be nice to get, get like, since we started it and we developed some kind of musical uh, history together now that we have, and uh, we, we I hope to, I hope to develop and, and, and that, it, that we keep on going with it in, in the future in some ways. Is there a specific website or someplace that people can go to learn more about this? Not really. If they go on my website, the record is there and there's uh, the story of it. Um, there's no, there's no, there's no uh, social media page or, or website for this group. It's just a kind of a project, you know, that we did. Yeah. But well, uh, we're on the label Outside in Music. Yeah, um, Outside in Music. They'll, they'll probably, up, I don't think there's, uh, an updated uh, inf- press release about us, but it'll, it'll be up there soon. And I, my website too, I have to upgrade, update it. To so the, the, the last question then uh, at this point would be, was it just a coincidence or, or did you intend it for the fact that you are released on the label called Outside in Music? <laughs> I never thought about it. That's pretty amazing. It's very, it's very, it's very, very poignant. Very poignant. I never thought. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and, yeah. Coincidence. So, well, I, I can't tell you what a delight this has been to have all three of you in the same room, not only to hear about your music, but just the interaction between the three of you. It's it's a great thing. I I would say this is a keeper. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, 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 you know, hopefully we'll keep it together and get, get some, get the ball rolling some more. Gentlemen, it's been a distinct pleasure having you as our guests on All That's Jazz. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of All That's Jazz with the Riverside Trio. We'd like to thank Ben Cedrin for the use of Mr. P's Shuffle as our theme song. And visit us again next time for another interesting conversation on All That's Jazz. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating on the streaming service you use. All That's Jazz is available on every major streaming app, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, as well as Facebook and online at allthatsjazz.net.